The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's business world, you need to have a unique edge in order to thrive. Your show host, Lisa Chickles, understands you have to live it to get it. And she is here to give what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is Chat with Chickles, featuring brand champion Lisa Chickles. In this program, you'll hear from the experts who are already making differences in their business while picking up strategies that can help you and your business survive and thrive. Now, here's your host, Lisa Chickles. Welcome. It's so nice to have you here today. I am broadcasting live from Toronto, Canada. And thank you for taking the time to join me for my show on Leading Through Change. And as I teased you about a little bit about last week, I do have a guest today. So he's been very brave to come on the show. He will be my first guest. So please bear with us if there's any technical glitches. And that's some of the excitement of being live. So I'll first uh, introduce our topic today then our guest, and then we'll get into our chat with Chickles. So in terms of um, our intro, in the past episodes, we've chatted a lot about leadership. We referenced the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that great book by John C. Maxwell, and identified the concepts of leading through influence instead of authority, and that people buy into a leader first and then the vision. The ability to chart a course versus just steer a ship, and I think we're going to chat a little bit about that in depth today. And as a leader, being able to read the situation, the trends, the people, the resources, and yourself, your own strengths and weaknesses, and what could be getting in your own way of leading successfully. And then last week, we talked a lot about building teams, high-performing teams, and the idea that trust is kind of that foundation that you can build a high-performing team on. Clearly, leadership is not easy. You need to know how to lead your team, external stakeholders, and internal processes, and deliver a product or service that meets the needs of your customers or your consumers. So that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) And now, what if we added another layer of complexity on top of it? What if we added significant change, like downsizing, a merger? Uh, taking your organization public, or getting private funding. How do you lead through this type of change, especially if you've never done it before? Well, that's what we're going to chat about today. How to lead through significant change, and how this change can impact the organization's culture, its infrastructure, or put pressure on that infrastructure, and its people. To illustrate this concept, we're really going to just focus on one organization today. It's, it's easier to kind of frame some of the lessons learned if we're just focusing on what one organization went through. And believe me, they went through a lot. Um, the organization that we're going to chat about is a leading advertising agency in Canada. It was a national organization, and they wanted to expand, expand into other markets and become a global competitor in the industry. To fuel their growth, they made the decision to go public. This decision provided them with the capital necessary to achieve their business goals and objectives. 
This is a great example of leading through change and how change, in this case, significant growth, can impact your business in terms of your culture, your infrastructure, and people. So now let's get to our guest. Uh, Let me introduce him. Um, To help me with this discussion, I've asked Goodwin Gibson to join me today. I've chosen Goodwin, or as we like to call him, Goody, um, to help with this concept of leading through change for two reasons. First of all, because of his experience in running his own company and how change impacted his organization and the challenges he felt as a leader. And then we also have a shared experience as middle managers in a company that experienced significant growth. So it gave us a really nice platform for our discussion today. So let me give you a bit of Goodwin's background in his bio. He's currently the principal consultant at Goodwin Consulting, Goodwin Gibson Consulting. At this organization, he's an independent consultant, and his practice focuses on making sense of business disruption and opportunities driven by digital technologies, so our world today. Goody's career began in the advertising and marketing services industry and spanned over 25 years. Goody spent 13 years with Cassette Communications Group, where he helped build one of the largest direct marketing firms in Canada. In 2004, Goody moved to McLaren McCann, um, where he oversaw the merger of its direct and digital business units to form MRM Worldwide Canada, one of the largest and most awarded direct and digital agencies in Canada. In 2010, Goody created Conversion, an integrated digital agency with top-tier clients, and in 2014, sold his shares to begin his consulting business. So let's get let's move over to Goody. He's been waiting so patiently in the wings. Goody, thank you for joining us today to share your experience and wisdom around leadership through change. Lisa, thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, to be able to share my experience with you. Great. I'd like the listeners to know a little bit more about you and your company conversion and some of the challenges you faced as a leader. Can you tell us about your experience and how it relates to our topic about leading through change? Well, Lisa, similarly to the organization we're going to talk about, um, my experience in starting and growing my own firm, Conversion, uh, eventually led me and my partners to the decision of pursuing external funding to fuel uh, our growth rather than relying on uh, organic growth. In my case, uh, my partners and I had a vision of building a full-service digital agency uh, really on the back of a digital marketing audit and consulting tool we had developed which we really felt with funding could be automated and aggressively sold to drive growth for the overall business. We ended up debating going public through an RTO or reverse takeover opportunity that uh, had been presented to us or to look at uh, private funding. Uh, But in our case, we didn't have a super long history of financial uh, results, uh, making public funding more difficult. Uh, the investors looked at us more as a startup and, and really too risky for a public type of uh, investor. And for us, you know, the cost and the requirements of managing a public company really began to outweigh the benefits. So we ended up choosing uh, to go with private funding uh, and really looked for someone who believed in us and our vision. But even then, when we got a private investor who, uh, and when you, when you get that and they believe in your company and your vision, uh, things begin to change, particularly when uh, people from outside your organization get involved. In our case, it definitely impacted our business model. Um, it changed our structure a bit. 
the relationships between the partners changed, and ultimately uh, our culture and the direction of the company changed. Uh, and the vision that I had been so passionate about uh, was to some degree left behind. In hindsight, I think I probably made a lot of mistakes during that time, but, uh, you know, as they say, uh, you learn more from your failures than your successes. Well, Goody, I, I couldn't agree more, and thank you so much for your honesty. I'm sure that this must have been a very challenging period for you as a leader, and I couldn't agree more that situations like this um, provide a great opportunity for you to learn. Um, you know, those things that, you know, as I talk about on my show, that you can't learn in business school, you really have to go through it to get it. So let's talk about the impact of significant change on a leader and an organization. And let's talk about what we can learn from your experience and the advertising agency that we both worked at. I recognize that it was at a different scale from your organization, but I'm assuming that the challenges and decisions leaders face are quite similar. They started out, uh, like you, as a small company. Over the years, they had grown to be one of the largest agencies in Canada, quite an impressive accomplishment. They had uh, multiple offices across the country and served many well-known global brands in both in the automotive, telecommunications, and packaged goods industry. So what can we learn from their situation? Let's start with their decision to go public as a way to fuel growth. What do you think, why do you think they made that decision versus the decision that you made about using private equity? Now, for everyone that's listening, this is really our perspective. We we were not at uh, the meetings with at that most senior level where a lot of these decisions were being made. So it just keep in mind that this is just sort of where we're coming from. So again, Goody, why do you think they made that decision to go public versus maybe doing some private equity? Well, Lisa, I think, you know, first and foremost, they were much larger than certainly my company. And uh, they had a long history of very good results. Um, and they were trying to raise a lot of money. Uh, the scale of funding that uh, they wanted to raise, if they had tried to do it privately, probably would have created some issues in terms of putting too much control of the company in too few investors' hands. Uh, and uh, as you remember, this company had a very strong independent streak, and uh, mm-hmm. they wanted to keep it that way. Um, you know, at the time that it did decide to go public, it was the leading advertising agency in Canada. It was a ninety-plus billion dollar company. It was, uh, uh, you know, a thousand employees, five regional offices. Uh, we had four hundred employees just in our office alone. If you put that in U.S. terms, uh, just multiply everything by ten, it'd be a nine hundred million dollar company with ten thousand employees. So. You know, given that scale, their really their only option was to go public. So, in my mind, that was right, uh, right decision. Uh, it's important to note they did just do a limited uh, public offering, um, and the original partners retained eighty percent ownership of the company. I think that was again intentional in terms of them trying to keep control of what would inevitably happen uh, when they went public. And uh, you know, in you know, one of the great benefits of of going public is it creates an accredited valuation of the company. Uh, in particular, the 80% those owners still held. So uh, it was a good decision all around, I thought. Okay, that's a great point. So their, their first decision was a good one. And I think from what you're saying about doing the limited public offering, not that this is my full area of expertise, is that they were trying to kind of maybe protect themselves or shield themselves from some of the 
some of the challenges that they would have and the changes, as you said, when you bring people from outside into your company. I, I think they tried to do that. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, how did they share this decision with employees? Do you feel that they were forthcoming, that they were open about what was going to happen? Well, certainly part of their overall success was their ability to communicate uh, and motivate their employees. Um, and they did a great job with that in the lead-up to the IPO. Uh, they understood that we needed to know uh, what was going on and involve us, uh, involve us in terms of what was happening and, uh, and prepare us to embrace change. Uh, they even bought us all the book, uh, uh, you know, Who Moved My Cheese, to get us prepared for it. Um, and they offered people like you and me in middle management uh, the opportunity to participate in terms of a stock purchase and bonus program uh, and had really thought through an employee retention strategy, you know, side-by-side side with the uh, IPO. So, again, everything leading up to the IPO was uh, really well well executed. Goody, I, I would agree that they did a great job of involving all of us at the beginning. But then things changed. At least this was uh, certainly from my perspective. The style of leadership changed and the culture began to shift. From your perspective, what do you think caused the shift in culture? Well, I think it's important to remember how strong their culture was moving into the IPO. I mean, they had a very entrepreneurial culture. It was risk, uh, you know, there was a lot of risk-taking They'd try new things, they'd test and learn, and uh, weren't really afraid of making any mistakes. Um, and they had a, uh, a philosophy of building things one project, one client, one office at a time, and uh, embraced risk on a calculated basis. So, uh, so that was very powerful for them. Um, the other thing is that they built from within. Uh, you know, they gave people, uh, certainly me, uh, a lot of responsibility um, at very early on in our careers. Um, but we're there to provide guidance and the support needed to make sure that we didn't fail too badly and uh, more often than not succeeded. Uh, and, you know, they really created that culture of involving people in the decisions and uh, uh, making us feel like we were uh, uh, playing a role in the success of the organization. Cody, just um, I see that we're coming up on a break. So why don't we just take a break there because it'll be kind of interesting to hear what you have to say about what happened after the IPO. So we're going to come back in a few minutes. We've been chatting with Goody about, you know, the impact on change in an organization, in this case, quite significant change and how it can impact the culture. And we'll be back in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back and we are chatting about leadership through change. And I have here with me today Goodwin Gibson, and he's here to help us discuss the significant impact that change can have on an organization. And we just left off talking about the impact on culture. And Goody was just communicating how the organization that we both worked at had a very strong entrepreneurial culture, uh, well-established and certainly, you know, they were risk-taking in a, in a good way, in a safe way. They supported their people, they promoted from within, and they were really good at communicating any changes that were happening in the organization. So you were you felt a part of the decisions they made in the future. So Goody, what happened? How did the culture shift after the IPO? Well, Lisa, I suppose um, by necessity things became a little more confidential. That's part of the um, downside of uh, running a public organization. And there was certainly less communication uh, between senior management and what I'll say middle management. And, and not formal communication. I'm talking about the kind of informal communication, the hallway meetings that you know, really were the uh, oil that kept the machine running. Um, but uh, you know that that definitely began to wane, and uh, in addition, they began to bring uh, leadership from outside the organization instead of promoting uh, from within, and and that uh, in particular was you know created a significant cultural shift in the organization. Well, at the time, the management made the decision to hire leadership from outside rather than from within. This was, as you noted, a significant change, right? It, it absolutely shifted the culture. They must have felt that they didn't have the right leader, perhaps with all the right skill set inside. Um, or were there other pressures that you think that they were under? You know, why do you think they brought in leaders from outside? Why did they not continue to promote from within? And what impact do you think that had on the organization? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, perhaps... You know, they had pressure from some of the new board of directors to bring in new leaders uh, looking for specific types of credentials. You know, as I said earlier, one of the challenges when you get funding from either the private or public funder uh, is that there's new people uh, involved and more opinions to consider. So those are uh, those may have been contributing factors. Um, you know, maybe they underestimated the amount of effort that it was going to take in terms of being public and fulfilling their promises of growth and acquisition um, that they had made. And, and those are the kind of promises you make when you raise money. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, maybe they underestimated uh, how much that would distract them from the day-to-day management of the company. 
One thing I can point to is that some of their leadership succession plans uh, that they had in mind didn't really work out. Uh, and from that perspective, may have forced them uh, to bring in outside talent. But for a lot of us in the middle management who, you know, had been part of the communications rolling up to the IPO, had been told that we would be part of the next uh, phase of growth, um, you know, it really left us wondering why did why had they lost faith in us and, uh, and, and in the people that got them to being number one in the first place. So, you know, they had engaged us so well. Uh, up to the you know the point we got to the IPO, but seemingly were unwilling to uh, bet on their internal talent when push came to shove. So you know the net effect was you know middle management began to feel a little disenfranchised. You know our role was less certain, uh, senior management was less available. Uh, we were and you know we started to report to new leaders who really didn't understand the organization or its culture and how to harness it uh, to achieve things. So, you know, there's no two ways about it. The entrepreneurial culture at that point began to erode, and I think a lot of frustration uh, in the middle management team began to set in. Uh, Goody, I I couldn't agree more that at this stage, as you had said, the culture, that entrepreneurial will to succeed, that spirit was beginning to erode, and, you know, people like you and I were feeling frustration for lots of reasons um, in terms of, processes, no, not as much access to senior management, maybe some of the confidentiality, not 100% sure of what the plans were. And, and I think the other challenge is that culture is a difficult concept to articulate, especially to someone that's new to the organization. How do you think bringing in leadership from outside impacted the culture, our culture, and what was the impact on middle management within the organization? Well, at the time, I was leading uh, a large division of the company, and bringing in people from the outside created a lot of work in terms of ramping them up, uh, in terms of understanding the business and and our culture. Uh, and we had a culture, you know, prior to the IPO that when you went to senior management, they'd help you. They'd uh, give you ideas, they'd support your initiatives, and uh, were open to new ideas. Um and one thing I remember, maybe you do too, is they uh, uh, had established this concept of base camp uh, in terms of uh, a management culture. And, and, and what that really had to do was with was understanding that the organization needed to be a safe place for us to recharge and get help if we needed so that we could go out back out there in the market and face the elements and, and fight the good fight. Uh, I remember they even brought in uh, John and Matt, uh, a well-known uh, Mount Everest climber, to come and talk us, talk to us about the importance of base camp. I still have his book, actually, and, and recommend it to just about everybody I talk to. Um, so that was, you know, really a great concept for us to to latch onto as middle managers. Uh, you know, and it focused on creating that safe environment that we could come back to. And uh, it meant to a lot to us. Uh, but, uh, you know, as, as leadership changed, um, uh, it was more difficult for uh, uh, these people to understand that concept. And, uh, you know, we, we began to miss that as, as uh, managers in the organization. Um, you know, for myself personally, I certainly missed the, the engagement and the encouragement of senior management. I found they were less accessible. 
Um, not that when I did have interactions with them and they weren't great interactions, but they just weren't available. Um, and again, I think they may have underestimated the effort in terms of, of managing the, the uh, public aspect of the company, the promises of growth, uh, and really, uh, you know, was that keeping them from being able to interact with us uh, in the way that they, they used to. Like you, Goody, I would say I thought this concept of base camp w- was the right concept for the entrepreneurial culture that we had and the type of service business that we were in. And as you said, the new leadership, they didn't really have a chance to fully understand and embrace that culture. Goody, do you think there was anything else aside from going public and the expansion plans and bringing in this new leadership um, that maybe didn't have fully understand and embrace the culture um, was there anything else that you think could have impacted our ability to lead through this change? Yes, actually. Um, if you remember, just prior to the IPO, uh, we won a very, very large piece of business, uh, which on the surface was incredibly exciting. Lots of new challenges, uh, a very large account, tons of top-line growth for the company. Um, but uh, you know, with that kind of growth also comes the need for reliable and sufficient uh, infrastructure, which was never really a strength of the company. We were very de- decentralized. We operated uh, as uh, regional offices quite independently, uh, which was great in terms of uh, our ability uh, to produce and get the job done, but uh, not so great in our ability to build actual capacity to produce on a, on a, a large-scale basis. And this client demanded strong, integrated national systems that we were just not ready for. So the lack of what I'll call repeatable processes and organizational infrastructure were really magnified under the pressure and created a lot of extra workload uh, for management as we tried to hold things together, which, again, just you know set in a more frustration for us internally and probably more importantly for our clients. You know, since... Uh, since then, and, and having worked for uh, a global organization with really strong organizational infrastructure, it's clear that that ability to mobilize resources, processes, systems uh, is really critical to managing uh, growth. You know, at that other firm, we were able to build new offices of up to 400 people in a matter of weeks, uh, you know, if not just a few months. Um, they had a playbook. Uh, they had done it a lot of times before, and uh, it was commonplace for them. For our organization, that was simply not the case. Well, clearly, as you're going through this incredible amount of growth on top of growth on top of growth, and you have new leadership, I can imagine it would have been difficult for someone new to the organization to navigate through all of that, and then also for all of us to actually just continue to get the work done and to make sure that we were meeting the needs of our clients. Goody, do you think, like, based on all of this, is there a feeling that maybe they weren't ready to go public? Like, maybe they weren't ready for growth? Is that something you can be ready for? You know, what do you think about that? Is is it a question of being ready? Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I think mm-hmm. uh, whenever your organization is going through major growth, you need to really address the operational implications as fast as you can. Uh, you know, systems and processes that got you to one level are not really likely to get you to the next. And you need to re-engineer your operations with a, uh, you know, a long view on growth. Um, 
and really focus on building your capacity to produce. And uh, for that, infrastructure is critical. So, so by infrastructure, I'm talking about IT, human resources, finance, real estate, uh, those things that are supporting the, uh, supporting the business in the background. Uh, you know, when I think back, you know, we doubled the size of the business in three years, and you need a strong infrastructure and operations to support that kind of growth. Uh, and, and funny enough, I mean, when I look back at the IPO, I don't believe any of the funds raised uh, were used to seriously address any operational or organizational infrastructure deficiencies, which is probably something, ironically, that would have been uh, really well received by our current clients at the time. But, uh, you know, as we pulled our hair out, what we needed <laughs> was better systems, processes, uh, things that would protect and, and enable us to scale the strengths that had led us to, uh, to the success we'd uh, had. Um, and we needed to think of that at, on an operation-wide level. We needed a clear leader uh, with the authority to implement changes. And without, without that, in the end, the company struggled to manage. Uh, you know, our frustrations grew and the commitment to the organization began to suffer. Yeah, Goody, we're just uh, going to come up on a on a break, and I couldn't agree more. You're kind of bringing back some very interesting memories for me. <laughs> so when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and then we're also going to talk about you know the role of human resources and resources and its importance in helping you lead through change. We'll be back in a bit. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chickles at rogers.com now back to this week's show i'm here with goodwin gibson talking about leading through change and the impact of that significant growth can have on an organization's culture their business model their infrastructure and of course ultimately their people 
And can you really plan for it all? Is it a case of you don't know what you don't know? Or did you not chart the course well enough and plan those details that we talked about in terms of the role that navigation can play in successful leadership? But can you do all of that? Um, So that's really what we're here chatting about today. So Goody, as you said, the new leaders did not have a clear understanding of the culture of the organization, and they didn't really have a ton of time to figure it out, given all of the change that was going on, the business pressures. What do you think the organization could have done differently? What could have helped them lead through all of this change? Well, Lisa, as I've always sort of personally said, uh, the hardest part of my job is hiring people. And, uh, you know, when you fire people, you know exactly what the outcome or outcomes could be, um, and you can prepare for it. But when uh, you're hiring someone, it doesn't matter how many interviews or how much due diligence, uh, you really don't know the outcome until they arrive and begin to work uh, within your organization and with your team. So looking back at the organization in question, or any organization for that matter, uh, when you experience major growth like that, uh, either organically or through acquisition, human resources is going to be one of your uh, one of the areas in your business most impacted. Uh, this is obviously particularly true in a professional services business like advertising, where people are your product. They're the people out there every day representing your company, etc. Now, I have to say that I have some latter experience or later experience that gave me further insight, and I learned a lot more in that place uh, in terms of the power of a uh, functional human resources group and the importance of an operating plan. But, you know, looking back, HR was never really a strength, uh, even within the industry in Canada, Um, and, you know, particularly as it compares to the U.S., mostly driven by scale. Um, the difference in the scale of most agencies uh, and the business in Canada versus the U.S. resulted in, I think, very different approaches uh, to infrastructure, things like HR and IT uh, and the importance of an operating plan. Uh, You know, in the U.S., HR is a uh, designation. These people have MBAs. They have HR accreditations. They sit at the right hand of the CEO. Um, we didn't have that at our organization. When I look back at the uh, executive team, um, you know, they simply didn't have that uh, in their skill set. Um, and we didn't have a clear operating plan, which I mentioned. So in quick succession, we had uh, one, of, you know, one of the largest accounts in the country. We'd gone public. Uh, we were on an aggressive uh, acquisition strategy. And we really didn't have an integrated and well-thought-out plan in terms of how to manage the growth, particularly in terms of human resources, IT, finance, even real estate, and things like production. So those were challenges. Well, Goody, as as you summarized so well, it pretty much looks like it was change on top of change on top of change, and on top of an infrastructure that, you know, wasn't built to support that level of change. I also found at this time that people started to look inward, kind of to focus on the organization and not look outside and perhaps lose a bit of perspective on the market. Would you agree? Uh, what was your experience? Well, Lisa, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, I think with any company, uh, there is, and in particular this company, uh, there is no doubt that middle management began to navel gaze, and we started to look uh, 
uh, inward, I think, frantically trying to address the day-to-day frustrations that had begun to loom over the company. And, you know, in hindsight, when that happens, that's a huge risk to an organization. You can lose your perspective. Uh, you can miss client and market signals uh, and ultimately lose your edge and competitive advantage. And that was something that company was always great at. They always had uh, a good view of uh, what the next consumer trend would be or what the next big idea was or the next business opportunity. And in the last, you know, following the IPO and the struggles we were having, we found ourselves increasingly focused on internal issues, uh, frustrated uh, and not contributing to the growth of the business, which, uh, you know, was, uh, was huge. Um, you know, client, suffer, client relationships suffered, uh, business development efforts suffered, acquisitions were uh, becoming very difficult, and, uh, you know, as a result, the growth of the organization began to stall. Goody, that, it's, a, it's a great point. And, um, you know, I'm wondering, though, if, if, if this is uncommon, like if this is unique to our to the organization that we were with. So I, I had had a similar experience at a not-for-profit um, now, this wasn't a merger. Uh, this was more of a merger uh, than an IPO. But very similar issues began to appear. And, and I would say very similar to all of the things that you talked about, a lack of an infrastructure, a lack of systems, the ability to pull people together, the clarity around roles and accountabilities and leadership. And people began to focus inward, sort of a little bit of protecting their areas of authority instead of working more collaboratively, um, and also looking at other issues like, and, and a little bit of blame starting to happen sometimes, you know, you know, this didn't get done because of this or that instead of, you know, taking the ownership and solving it. Goody, do you think this is a typical reaction to things like this, to significant change? Is this just what you go through and you need to recognize it and push through it? Well, certainly I don't think it's uncommon. I think many uh, organizations that go through the kind of growth that we were dealing with uh, um, have similar similar challenges. And I think it's a time whenever you're facing this kind of growth is that you really need to prepare and plan operationally for it and, uh, and really understand the cracks in your infrastructure and, 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 again, invest in that capacity to produce. And, you know, too many times, I think organizations don't uh, address, you know, the cracks, the the things that uh, may have been covered up by growth and success, um, and you really need to get to those because they become magnified very quickly. And I think it begins with leadership that's really prepared to address the deficiencies of an organization and make some tough calls uh, and make some investments. Uh, Guy Kawasaki, uh, who's written a number of books, um, has a great uh, analogy. He talks about leadership needing to embrace the roles of a devil's advocate, someone who's going to tell you what's bad even when they don't believe it, um, and as well the role of uh, Morpheus, you know, from The Matrix, uh, someone who will tell you the truth, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, you know, my sense is perhaps this organization and leadership team could have benefited from from this, and uh, I think we're probably not listening to those people in the ranks that were uh, voicing uh, concerns. So, so good. I'm just going to kind of go off a little bit on a tangent here, but I wanted to ask you. So, so they could they had this group of people, all of us, this middle management that they'd come to embrace and respect. 
we had been involved. Why do you think they didn't come to us? What do you think some of the things that might have gotten in the way? Like, was confidentiality a big part of it? Did they not think to come to us? Did, you know, I, I'm just, or were they just so distracted by other things going on and business challenges? I, I'm just curious. Why do you think they, uh, they wouldn't have reached out? Well, I think to a large degree, because within that leadership team, there was no one with a real operational mindset, mm-hmm. um, that it was, in some degree, overlooked, overlooked completely, um, and not something that they believed would really have that serious an impact on the, on the business. Um, but we knew that as, as uh, middle managers, when it when it becomes hard to get things out the door, to manage production processes, to access resources in the company. Uh, and you've, you're the ones dealing with the clients who are, are frustrated and uh, not particularly happy. Um, it's going to create a lot of frustration. So I think, you know, as I mentioned, I, whether or not they had completely underestimated the, the uh, effort that it was going to take to be a public company, that might have been a contributing factor, but I my sense is uh, they just simply didn't have the voice at the table um, at a senior level that uh, would alert them to the idea that they needed to listen to uh, the ranklings of, of middle management. Well, I think you have a great point about at that most senior level, and, and I'm sure you have as well as I have, in working with other entrepreneurial companies, one of the great benefits is that visionary, that passion, that not seeing barriers and not worrying about some of the details that you might have in a large uh, organization, that that passion and that vision, when you're now trying to create scale and trying to go global, can at times get in the way, to your point, of being able to see what's needed. Um, I have worked with other entrepreneurs that are like, I don't get it, Lisa. I'm telling them, just go do it. But they look at me, and I don't know why they're not doing it. And then I would say, well, because I don't think they really know what to do. They they hear you about your vision, and they're excited about it, but they don't know how to implement it. And I, I think that's what you were saying of, you know, how do you now take that great thinking and that great vision and implemented an organization that is now growing quite quickly and pressures are there and maybe you don't have the, you know, the um, the access that you would be looking for in terms of that senior leadership to help you through those challenges. So I, I think it is like if there, do you feel that if there was someone sort of at that senior level that maybe that COO that you've talked about before, that they might have been able to see some of these things and, and help that leadership um, manage through this change in a different way? Yeah, I think in hindsight, um, you know, if there was one position maybe they should have looked outside for, it could have been a COO who, you know, had the experience of taking a company through this kind of growth, uh, managing a public company, um, and, you know, being able to put in place the kind of systems that uh, would have supported the organization uh, more effectively. Um, you know, again, I've had the experience now of working at a large, you know, very large, if not the largest uh, global agency. And, you know, it's something they are really strong at and they concentrate on. They have immense 
HR department. They are constantly training their managers to uh, manage the growth that they're expecting of them. Uh, there are streamlined systems to support um, offices being created in new places, and those things just uh, weren't in place. And there wasn't a huge, huge need for it, but there was uh, some basics that needed to be uh, uh, managed more effectively. And as well, I, and I, I knew from the success of my own uh, division that uh, you know we planned. For, we did plan for growth. We planned. We created a, a project management office before they were de rigueur, and uh, you know that led to uh, us being able to manage a lot of growth within our division. Well, Goody, I think you make a really good point, and I, I like your point about you know making sure that you're planning for that growth. I like some of the things that you talked about in terms of you know Guy Kawasaki and this idea of making sure that you have sort of at that most senior level, um, people that are willing to challenge you and to tell you, you know what, I think we're making a mistake. Uh, Sometimes it's hard when things are new and exciting. We talked about that in the four stages of teamwork. You know, you got to get to that storm stage to get to perform. So I can can see how in that situation, you know, not having that at that level and also not having that experience and understanding of, you know, how do I, you know, build the infrastructure to support the organization can really – Um, get in the way when you're going through such significant change. So we're coming up on a break now. And when we come back, we're going to ask Goody the very provocative question. In hindsight, now being 2020, what would you have done differently? Back in a bit. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Hi, everyone, and I am here chatting with Goodwin Gibson, and we are talking about leadership through change and the impact that that change can have on an organization with respect to its culture, its infrastructure, and, of course, ultimately, its people and business. So, Goody, our provocative question now, what we've all been waiting for, in hindsight, you know, being 2020, of course, what do you think the organization could have done differently to avoid some of the issues that they faced? Great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> no pressure. Well, you know, there's no two ways about it. Uh, the, one of the keys is planning for growth, and there's probably some components to that that uh, are important. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, I think you need to trust and nurture the people that uh, have brought you to the level of success that you've achieved. Um, and you really need to prepare them for it uh, and include them in that future phase of growth. And by prepare, I mean prepare in terms of what are the potential roles they might play, uh, what are the skill gaps that you might have to close, and, uh, you know, really give them a shot at uh, contributing to the future. The other thing I would do is make sure that any issues are resolved at the top, and that, uh, you know, again, sometimes success and, and growth can hide underlying issues or differences of opinions between senior management. So you need to make sure those are addressed and make sure that everyone's on board in terms of the direction you want to take the company, uh, the role and the accountabilities of everybody, and, uh, and, the commitment and the commitment and the level of intent from everybody. So uh, those are real things that have to happen, I think, um, prior to you moving into the, uh, the growth. You know, more specifically, I think it's around that investing in your capacity to produce and, and your, your ability to manage the growth. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you've got, you know, if you're going to grow, your output has to increase that much. And uh, infrastructure and operating plans equal the capacity to produce. So, again, I think it's being super honest with yourselves. Uh, understand the deficiencies of your infrastructure, your systems, your processes, uh, and commit to addressing them as fast as you can. Uh, and, you know, as Guy Kawasaki says, listen to the devil's advocates and Morpheuses in your organization. Listen to the naysayers who are feeling the pinch uh, at the front lines and, uh, you know, establish that clear leader, a CEO, um, with the authority that's uh, they need to make the changes and, and really build the capacity to produce and manage growth. Uh, you know, one of the other areas I talk about is uh, the area of HR leadership and capabilities. So it's going to be one of the places that's most impacted. You need a strategy to support your growth plans, uh, you know, establish scalable recruitment, hiring, onboarding. Onboarding was a big issue for us. Uh, and talent management practices. Uh, because no matter what, you won't be able to uh, promote from, from within for all that growth, and having the right tools in place is going to uh, go a long way to make uh, the right decisions. And be prepared to make big changes. Uh, there's going to be challenges along the way. Um, sometimes bigger changes are needed, uh, and you need to prepare for growth. So... Again, it's that ability to plan for it, to visualize what it's going to look like. And, you know, my motto has always been plan for well beyond the growth you expect because once 
uh, particularly on the uh, agency businesses, growth can happen very quickly, and growth begets growth. So all of a sudden you win one client, everybody hears about it, next thing you know you're on a roll and you're winning a bunch of clients and you've grown much more than you expected. So those are the things that I would do differently. Yeah, Goody, I think you make, and I'm just going to summarize for those people listening who, you know, might be taking notes or they're driving in the car. Uh, but the five key things that I think you said was trust and nurture the people that got you there, right? Resolve issues at the top because those cracks are going to show as you add growth. Invest in your capacity to produce and manage the growth. Strengthen those core enablers, I'll call them, your HR leadership, you know, your IT support, all that infrastructure that can so put pressure on people to be able to even just get their work done and, as you said earlier, out the door. And then be prepared to make those big changes. It, things are going to happen. You know, you, you might have had a plan, but when you're in the middle of it, you might have to make some decisions that are difficult. And that could be around um, people. It could be around, you know what, maybe we're expanding too quickly. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Nordstrom does in Canada with their business model and their expansion plan versus someone like Target. Sometimes, um, you know, you can be, you can get caught in your own success and your own expansion plans. So maybe if the signals or the people are telling you, as you said, to slow down or to try a different path, that's not a bad thing either. Yeah, I think so the I think, target oh, analogy is a good one because, yeah. uh, you know, the inside story there is that they they weren't prepared. They hadn't mm-hmm. done their homework in terms of the infrastructure requirements to open 100 stores, deal with the changes in the Canadian market, uh, and that really led them uh, into a tailspin, you know, the day they opened the door. Right, right, great point. So I think people would be sitting here right now trying to say, so what happened? Like, this was a great story, this company, you both worked there. So what happened to this organization? Where are they today? Were they able to recover from this experience and lead through change? And the good news is absolutely yes. The company continues to thrive and be a strong competitor in the industry, despite the difficult time that they went through. But I think as you started out at the beginning, Goody, you come sometimes learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And I think what they what they learned was really priceless. You know, I, I will cheekily say, um, you know, this is the stuff they can't teach you in business school. You really do have to live it or live through it to get it. And I think what they were able to do is to take what they had learned and then help that to fuel their growth, to kind of retool the organization, to think about things like infrastructure, how they hire, succession planning, and understanding the impact on middle management. I mean, this would be a wonderful case study um, for anyone today, like Harvard Business Review case study, for people to be able to really understand you know, sometimes we focus a lot in today's times about downsizing. Um, but what about when you are now growing? What about upsizing? And I don't know, people get caught up in the excitement and maybe haven't had a chance to think it all the way through. So, Goody, I'd really like to thank you today for sharing your insights on how to lead through change. Um, and it's great to hear your thoughts and your fresh perspective. Thank you, and, Lisa. It was oh, uh, okay. really great to be with you today. And um, as you mentioned, I'm... Uh, the company has been a success, and, uh, you know, I think despite the challenges, uh, it certainly was one of the highlights of my career in terms of being part of the growth and part of the challenges and part of the excitement, um, and it was great to uh, chat about it with you today. 
Great. And, and I would say, too, I learned a ton um, in the show that I do. I reference a lot of experiences and examples, and a lot of it comes from my experience in working with this organization. Because as you said, they did give people like you and I a lot of um, autonomy very early on, which is quite scary, but also exciting and motivating. And um, But at the time, of course, initially, we're there for you to help you through it. So, again, I'd love to thank you for everything um, and all of your great insights. And, Goody, are you okay if I share your um, email with people just in case they might want to get in touch with you? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. So, if you had any questions for Goodwin Gibson, please feel free to email him at goodwin at goodwingibson.com. So, goodwin, G-O-O-D-W-I-N, at goodwingibson.com and also you can download this episode from my host page at voiceamerica.com or iTunes now next week I will be chatting more about you know the excitement around being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs and of course that whole idea of the jungle lion and the zoo lion and who moved my cheese I guess that's it so we we will be back and thank you so much um, for being with us today And again, you can reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com. And I am your host today, and you're a part of Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. Thank you for joining us for Chat with Chickles. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with brand expert Lisa Chickles on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again on the next show.